Welcome back to Unemployed. Hello. I was so employed today. I can't even believe I'm hosting this podcast, but we're back, baby. We got a really special episode. I'm here with Ellen. Ellen, how are you? I'm good. Anna, you have too many jobs for this podcast. Oh, my God. I really do. Today, I was overemployed. Can you believe? It's it's for me, it's like it's like zero or 100. It's never in between. It's never like, oh, you have one little thing to do and get it done. Like, I had a writing deadline. I had a couple voiceover auditions. Okay, let me just say, none of this really pays me money unless I book them. But still, it was like a lot in a day. I know I texted you. I was like, I can't today. I didn't even know it was like most of it's not paid. That's so upsetting. (laughs) Well, I also have HQ tonight. So that is that is a job. And I had to like prepare my script for tonight. Um, It does take preparation. You don't just walk in and do it. Technically, I could give all the answers to the game tonight. And you know what? This episode won't come out until after tonight's episode (laughs) HQ HQ show airs. Yeah. But that would be breaking some sort of role because then I would be able to play and like oh, win. True, so. true. But I highly doubt you will. Um. No, nah, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, it's it's funny because I felt, I feel this stress, like even when you have like one or two things, did you have this when you first got your, your current job? Like when you get a couple things on your plate, it feels like so much more. And then you think back to the normal days, back to the olden, you know, days before pandemic and you're like, that was nothing. I did that in an hour and I was fine. Yeah, everything feels like so much harder uh, during the pandemic for one, but also working from home, I think, also intensifies normal things that would be easier if you were in an office. Yeah. And like having a place to go. Like I always felt like showing up for an audition, like, I don't know. I just I miss like the the. I don't don't miss the commute. That's a lie. I don't miss that at all. I I kind of do. That was my time to listen to podcasts or read a book (laughs) or something and just like... That was my time to sweat and cry. Literally, I don't remember a single subway ride where I wasn't like in the winter, like now, this time then, like where I was dripping sweat, crying because I'm upset about something and like late. (laughs) To yeah, get it somewhere. There's always some sort of, yeah, you're either too hot or too cold or just like sweaty on the train. It's yeah. always uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we won't, we might not have the MTA as we knew it for much longer, though. Because what does that mean? I haven't taken well, a train. I have taken maybe four or five this year, but basically the MTA is losing tons of money because ridership is like so down. I bet. They're, there was like some proposal that was um, announced today that was like, let's add three dollars, a three dollar charge to every New Yorker's shipping. Fuck uh, that. <laughs> to like give to the MTA. Yeah. It's just a proposal. It's never going to make it through. The MTA but, like, fucked me so many times that I don't I don't feel sad right now for them. Maybe I should. And if you're an MTA worker, obviously this is not you personally. And we would love to have you come and speak to us on the podcast. But like, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm scared to get on a train. God forbid you get on a train. It stalls. It stops. Sick passenger. And like we're all stuck on it with our masks because it's a pandemic. Like enclosed space. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's been saying that the the train is one of the safest places that you can be right now. <laughs> but I don't know if that's propaganda or if that's true, because they definitely need the money. Uh, those are the people who say that being gluten-free will help you lose weight. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. Um, we were talking about a movie right before we clicked this, and I was like, I'll tell you on air, because it's a movie about jobs. Uh because I was saying a story about someone, how they had to lie. You know, we always talk about lying on your resume and stuff. But there was no bigger lie than the movie The Associate with Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, what is this movie about? I've never watched it. She is, like, not taken seriously. I believe she's a lawyer. She is not taken or a CEO of a company. Maybe it's that. It's one or the other. It's a high-powered job. And she is not taken seriously because of who she is. Therefore, she gets full drag makeup, like, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire style, and she becomes a white man. <laughs> okay. And I know I his name is Cuddy. I haven't seen it in 100 years. Yeah. I know so she's Cuddy. an investment banker. Thank you. Um, yes, I was like lawyer or CEO. Investment banker works. That's kind of a nice mix of the two. <laughs> this looks very interesting. Um, it's like one of those weird movies where you're like, damn, no one knew this was makeup. <laughs> but like, it's a movie, so it works, you know? Ooh, it has very bad reviews. I'm going <laughs> to... Maybe yeah. I should write about this. Maybe this is my next film to write about. I actually I loved it. it. Be. Yeah. From what I remember, it was a great movie. I love Whoopi Goldberg. She's so funny. And even in this full-on, like, disguised white man drag costume, like, she's still so funny. It's the, it's like the the Tootsie of its kind, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, it's God. the same Tootsie. plot, right? Kind of? I mean, we had Tootsie, we had Mrs. Doubtfire. All these people were becoming white women. <laughs> Right. To make it in this world. Finally, Whoopi did it right. She became a yeah, white that man. Makes, Whoopi's version makes way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm sorry, even as a white woman, it ain't easy all the time being any woman, you know? And they, there they were trying to change their lives. Um, anyway, I want you to watch it. I want you to let me know yeah. what you think. Thanks for the recommendation. I'm going to no check it out. <laughs> I'm going to get a text being like, this movie's terrible. <laughs> I might love it. Sometimes I love a bad movie. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited for our guest today. He is a very, very funny comedian. You might know him from the Adult Swim series, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, or the very popular, the last podcast on the left. We've got Henry Zabrowski with us today. What's up? So good to be here. I'm here. I got clothes on. I love I'm it. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to speak into a microphone. And you, you know smell I mean? great. You smell amazing. I, we were talking about this before the show. I think it's important yeah. to remain perfumed. Absolutely. Even throughout this whole time period. You know what I've also been doing? I'm not I am not succumbing. I'm watching I'm wearing a lot more soft pants than normal, but I'm wearing jeans because I have to keep the belly dent going. Wow. Because if I don't have the belly ridge, <laughs> when it gets deeper into 2021, eventually things will open up again. Yeah. I can't I am the idea of opening up the drawer of jeans and not being able to slide them on to my soft body. That will send me into a new form of just like a spiral of yeah. shame and fear. <laughs> I totally get that. I don't own a scale or anything. And every so often, it was funny, like it took like two, three months. And I was like, I should try a pair of jeans on. That's how I know if yes. I've grown or not. Because leggings and sweatpants will always fit, right? They'll you fit everyone. Grip. Yeah. You're gripping and squish. <laughs> and so I'm used to gripping and squishing. 
because also for some reason my underwear has gotten like longer in this time period. <laughs> like I got long underwear on for some reason, like long legged underwear that is Are very you shrinking? <laughs> no, I don't know. I have nothing else to compare it to. My wife is very tall. I'd stand next to her, but she doesn't she doesn't care. She stands a short king. I think that's the term. <laughs> she stands. I love it. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like I don't know. I, I can't last in jeans anymore, though. Like, I'll put a pair on for, like, an audition or something, and yes. I'm like, oh, my God, that was a long 30 minutes. Ugh. I got to take these off. <laughs> Ugh, I feel the creases forming. Oh, yeah. no, I just, I know that we have to challenge ourselves, and also, I've been going to the gun range. Oh, wow. I no, think it really it's going to really help for 2021. <laughs> no, I think it's really, yeah, it's really important. Got a crossbow, a lot of new jeans. I'm ready for summer 2021. Let's get into this. Let's go. Let's get it going. You know, you're talking about 2021, like how we all talked about 2020 when we were like, this I don't is want, our I, year. This I'm is going to happen. <laughs> I know. I know. It was. It seemed like it was supposed to be a really fun year, huh? Yeah. There was a lot of plans. <laughs> there were a lot of plans. There was. And here we are sitting in our apartments that also became <laughs> our, our studios and our offices. and My everything. office and my favorite restaurant. And it's my favorite bar. <laughs> It's my weed dispensary. I yes. love this little box I'm in. Ooh. And I don't feel it closing in. That's for certain. Nope, not at all. I nope. actually looked at an apartment the other day. I don't, my lease is not up till August, nope. but I went online and I wanted to look at a big apartment because I was like, just if you look at it, maybe you'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that was like a dumb. No, 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 no. Because you said you into a spiral of just like, oh my God, I really got to hustle. Oh my God, what the hell am I going to do? It turns into like, you know, the, you're, you're selling juice on the highway. Just being like, I got to get, I got to get that edge. I got to get that fucking Greenpoint apartment that has a four foot closet. I know. I, was, I said to my boyfriend, I'm like, we're going to go look at an apartment. He goes, what? we're not moving. For what? <laughs> Yay, like, where are we going to go? I was like, because I really need more space right now. I need you to get out of here. I need my own bedroom. You know, you can go stalk rich people. I think that's different than looking at an apartment. You can go stalk older rich people and wait for them to ask them, like, you sick? <laughs> right. You just like cough around them just being like, you know, because you're going to have to give up this rent-controlled apartment in Williamsburg at yeah. some fucking point. Yeah. Could you imagine though? I I bet a lot of people in New York, like the rich people, are like in the Hamptons or you know in their country houses. Like they should really have some sort of Airbnb just for us to be able to like rent a huge ass place for a weekend. There should be a sponsor of poor. Yeah. Like I really think that's really important. <laughs> Bring a poor into your home. I think that they should do that, especially for us in the entertainment industry. We lost what? We lost. It was sixty percent of jobs where we're gone in New York. Like yeah. straight up higher. A comedian, let a comedian stay in your home. Yeah, let me self-tape there for like a week. <laughs> Just let her do it. She's good for it. She'll I'm going to pitch this idea. I'm going to pitch this on Twitter and see how it goes. People will yeah. be like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a normal response on Twitter, though. Yeah, pretty much. So I want to take it back. I, you're in L.A. right now, right? Yes. And yes. Are, you, are you currently, aside from the, I guess the podcast is work, but are you working on anything right now? Or are you? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the closest, like, we are, I was in talks with a buddy that had sold a movie to these, like, shady Romanian like money guys this is true so I might I might go to like Albania to do a thing but I'm so scared and they and th that's the kind of stuff where they think that if you hold garlic in your mouth like COVID will go away you know what I mean it's oh the type God. of place where they have full on you know they carry silver shovels everywhere because they think right. it's phantoms like I so I don't know what that would entail right. so who knows but, but no I like, just sit and work a movie I, 
<laughs> yes, I would just sit and scream. I just sit and scream to a microphone. Oh wow! For the most part. Um, well, no, everything got canceled because uh, we were supposed to do a thing for your pretty face is going to hell this mm-hmm. year, and that got. I mean, we don't know where the hell that is, um, and that's really there was a lot of fun ideas. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that was going to get done this year. I know. I feel like I, I pitched a bunch of stuff. I had all these meetings like January, February, yep. and then we were like... A lot of heat. A lot of heat was building January, yeah. February. And then the <laughs> steam gets released. Yeah. And then what do you do then? Because then you're just... you're just uh, We're just like this. But guess then- what? We're coming back hard. <laughs> 2021. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Because you know who's going... <laughs> if fucking Elton John can go back on tour, yeah. we're going to be fine. Oh, my God. Is he going back on tour? He no, he's on that last tour. He said he it, it got extended. I know I was his supposed to tour. go. Yeah, it got extended to four years long. Oh wow! And I remember the audience because my sister and I saw it, and we uh, in February, right before everything closed down, we saw uh-huh. it at the very beginning of February. And he, I remember the big thing was that he sits and he plays a song. He is a little bit like a nana more than ever. <laughs> yeah, but the crowd went nuts. When he stood up, everyone's like, he can stand. He's got his feet. Yeah. His feet work. Everyone was it. so excited that he could still like lean because he leaned on the piano. And everyone's like, he can lean. <laughs> They're just so happy to see him moving. Like, because otherwise yeah. it could be like an animatronic, like just play and sing. He gets lowered in. I don't know if they do it anymore, but in, in L.A., he got lowered in sitting at his pi- piano. Which at first I thought was incredible. From the sky. Yes. He got lowered in a platform. And first we're like, oh, this is incredible. And then it's I was like, oh, it's because he can't walk oh, no. to the to the bench. He can't well, shuffle. They don't want to see he doesn't want people to see him shuffling. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I don't oh. know. I met him once. That- <gasps> I know. What's he like? I stalked him in a store and his like bodyguard was like, do you want to meet him? And I was like, who, me? Yeah, I'm not. me. I was in a men's store because we saw him. My friend and I saw him. We we're in the men's Gucci store and we were like t- holding up like belts and shit. Like as if we're, sh- <laughs> <laughs> we're just staring at him. We were like 17. <laughs> and there what was did you do? Was he Three nice? Men. So nice. He came over. He asked how my summer was. He gave me an autograph because that was like super cool then, you know. I That's don't know cool. if we, maybe we took a photo. I don't know where it went because it was probably a printed photo somewhere in my life. But it was I nice. always like, it's something about how the bar is so low mm-hmm. that like just him not calling you slime <laughs> is really, really nice. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he just did nice celebrity things that he's supposed to do. And he wasn't right. like, get away from me, you street urchin. Yeah, you know? he was literally like, what's your name? How's your summer? I was like, Elton John's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Nicest guy I ever met. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah, he didn't corner me in a dressing room. It's so nice. Yeah, but I have met celebrities who are not cool in restaurants no. I worked at, and you've seen it too, I'm sure. Like, Oh, no, just especially. Like... I can't imagine the restaurant world. Oh. I feel I feel that's the one job of all the jobs that I, I did never did food work. Okay, well, that's the end of this podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, God. (laughs) But no, my friend, because I had friends in the high level, the high end steak world. Oh, yeah, that's where I was. Mm -hmm. Oh, where did you work? BLT Steak and BLT Prime and Kraft. Did you work with John Moreno in any way, shape, or form? Because he worked, well, he worked at the Knickerbocker. 
And he worked at San Marino. It sounds so he familiar. Because I want to say he might have worked at Kraft. Maybe we were no. at, a, at a wine event to get no. <laughs> he had to do that shit. He had to take like a sommelier class and do all of this stuff. But he, the horror stories he talks about in fine dining. Yeah. Sounds like, because which I don't understand because the only times I've ever done fine dining, I'm so nervous <laughs> while I'm sitting there that I can't imagine offending a waiter. I'm just like, is, is, am I, am I allowed? Uh, uh, am I, can I be here? Like, do I eat too gross? <laughs> Your waiter's like, ugh, bridge and tunnel. Like, come on. Truly, just be like, I'm from Queens. It's worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you never worked in the restaurant world. I'm really glad we've cleared that at the beginning of this episode, but I want to take it back. Just so you know. I want to know, when you were a kid, did, did you know you were going to be an actor or in comedy, or did you have another kind of job in mind? Oh, my God. I mean, we were so far from... I feel like now that I'm in L.A., I meet so many people that, like, were already being... <laughs> like, they were already being, like weighed and measured by producers <laughs> when they were like five years old oh, where yeah. I had it was so far from our life it's like I actually thought that I was gonna get d deeper into uh I was obsessed with being in the FBI um, oh wow because I actually was hyper interested in serial killers very young and comedy I was like a comedy nut and I was really into dark shit when I was a little kid mm -hmm. and I actually had a guidance counselor in high school when I was a freshman because he asked me like what did I, what did I want to be and at the time I wanted to be a serial killer analysis I wanted to be a I want to get in forensics and FBI can you fucking imagine no skills no clue but I, I was always it. very I was very goofy as a kid but he didn't know and I he my this guidance counselor said you should do drama there's like a seat left in drama I have a feeling. <laughs> You should do this. And then it kind of just, I just realized, I was like, oh, this is like my skill set. Right. I imagine you coming in, though, and you're like, I know how to find a serial killer. And they were like, he's an actor. That is a comedian. <laughs> that yeah. is obviously a fat, ginger, like, comedian boy. Because it's like my hair stuck out to the sides. I had nothing but Hawaiian shirts on. I don't know what I thought I would have done. But I, I took improv. Like, my, my teacher... My my high school drama teacher, Mrs. Webster, used to just do like old school. Like, have you ever seen the show The Extras? Yeah. But you know, there was like a no, not extras. What the fuck? The other the other show with um, with that man episodes? No, not that one. The little <laughs> person one, the one with Warwick Davis, where he they go and they have Ellen's an improv looking scene. It up. Ellen, Ellen, are you looking at type? <laughs> but he does a scene with Liam Neeson where he tries to make Liam Neeson um, improv. Uh-huh. And it's very funny. It is a very funny scene. But my teacher used to do that where she'd be like, okay, this is the improv, but your name is Larry. You're a customer at a barber shop. Your name is Thomas. You are the barber, but you have an itch on your foot. And so we used to just do like weird made scenarios for my drama teacher. And I got that first fix. I think of what George Carlin always talks about, how we're just like little... The, I just was happy to tap dance for smiles immediately. I understood. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's the drug. Mm -hmm. Where like, did that's you grow the up? Feeling. I grew up in Woodhaven, Queens. Oh, okay. Um, but we were so far, like growing up in New York, but we were so far from the entertainment industry because my father was a cop and my mom was just a stay-at-home mom. And so we didn't, like I had no aspirations whatsoever until I got to Florida because mm -hmm. I moved to Florida when I was 14. And then Florida has a very intricate and massive high school theater okay. community. Like I did states, 
I was in like the thespian where like I used to compete wow. and do that kind of shit. So I was like very into it. And then I went to Florida State University, which I thought was going to really give me that artistic base. But it turns out a bunch of people like in Tallahassee, Florida, don't really have their finger on the pulse no. of what's going on in the entertainment world. Didn't they have a musical theater program? I feel like I remember I had very friends- big. Yeah. Very big musical theater program. And they all started working on Broadway fucking immediately. A lot of girls who went there, they went right to Broadway. But that sounds like another grind. I was going to say, were you not into that? Because in New York, you probably saw a show, right? Did you ever see Broadway when you were a kid at all? Well, When I was a kid, I saw Phantom. Okay. I was obsessed with Phantom as a little boy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also um, creepy, you know, and it's like I this weird dude. And yeah, I, I think it also had something to do with like, I was kind of like a hyper romantic little boy <laughs> where like I was like really into the idea that girls wouldn't understand me because of my misshapen form. <laughs> like I was very gothy, like very like that Goo Goo doll song, like don't want the world to see me. Yeah. I used to feel that like deep down inside where it's like. I was like, no, I was actually like a charming little boy, but I imagine myself as like a pale, misshapen, like man looking out from an <laughs> attic window where you can't see, looking on all the the normal people enjoying their love. <laughs> but I could have had it. And then I, I wrote a middle school version. I've talked about this on the show. I wrote a middle school version of Phantom of the Opera that I wrote songs and I wrote this huge play that I okay, gave. Give to Andrew a, Lloyd Webber a run for his money. <laughs> I can't imagine. It was so, I don't know what it is. I I have it somewhere in my my parents' house, but was I it gave set it to a girl in, high, in a high school. It was set in middle school. Oh, I wow. have to hear this that someday. You like... have to find it. I have to find That's it. It's somewhere buried deep. But I gave it to the girl I had a huge crush on, and I was because I wanted her to play the Christine, and I used to wear a beret all the time. <laughs> no, it was rough. You it wore was rough. a beret in school. Yeah. Yes, I was. I had a whole thing. I played like a character. This is how I should have known I was going to be in in <laughs> all of this bullshit. Because I used to like, I had a character I played where I called I called myself the Flying Grape, and I had this purple sweater that I used to wear in my head, and it became like a thing. Like I, I created like this is why I was in. I want to say this is why I was in the first Just for Laughs character showcase. It started then. Oh my god, it started then. And I still and got no got no professional notice then. Or during the Just for Laughs showcase as well. <laughs> Same amount of industry heat. I love it. You went to JFL in that in that beret. You're like, I'm bringing my roots. They're going to see. They're going to yeah. see how I met me. <laughs> and it just really surprised how much silence there can be. <laughs> so when did you start like working? Did you have jobs when you were in high school or college? Yes, my- I started working when I was 15. The first jobs I did was I, was, I worked at a video store called Hollywood Video. Oh, yeah. I know Hollywood video. Yeah. I started working there when we used to have to wear tuxes, like what? fake. It was like these fake tuxes. It was like a shirt, a fake a tur- a suit top that you would strap on. Right. And because we were welcoming people to the movies. Right. And you are not blockbuster. This is Hollywood. No, this video. is classy. And they yeah. want we had to pass a test. We had to pass a movie trivia trivia test. And I was a movie head, as a little, as a little, like was super, super into it, and so I passed the, the test. But then it shifted to all denim, where I had to wear a denim top and jeans, and that was a weird look too. What? This is some like Canadian nerdiest thing I've ever heard. I don't I know say, why. I bet a Canadian CEO took over, and they're like, "We're changing that to a Canadian tuxedo." They We're need done. to wear denim just in case they fall off their motorbikes on the way to way to work, so it yeah. tears. 
<laughs> Westerns are in now. <laughs> I don't know why. It was atrocious. That's so weird. <laughs> but that's what it starts to snoot early because I got into retail and retail was, I mean, it's its own version of hell. But at a video store, like I had visions of it from movies of what it was like to work at a video store. Yeah. And I thought it would be all the kind of cool people, all the weird, like kind of like Empire Records style. But right? it was really just a bunch of sad moms. Oh, that's sad. Because my brain pictures it as like, yeah, like the the cute girl comes in and you're like, oh, I'll give her, I'll give her some free candy while she rents her movie. And like those scenarios a- did happen. Oh, but good. they did not pan out to love. <laughs> no. Even once it never did. I thought it was like, she's gonna see the real me because I'm gonna fucking talk about her. I'm gonna tell her to watch the Colors trilogy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> some foreign film. And I was like, then she'll see how smart I am. And then no, they don't. They did I'm not. Sorry, care. you know you I know. Hollywood video. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> They're here to get a video and get the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> I really wish it did pan out though, because now I'm more curious about when you found your first love, you know, than than your next job. But we're sticking to jobs on this. <laughs> sticking to jobs. Yeah, the first love. Well, oh, oh, the stories of the, what could have happened. I feel like <laughs> that's with my stories of my romantic. I would say the stories that could have happened. <laughs> You should write that memoir. Yes. The romantic memoir. (laughs) Things that might have happened. All the girlfriends I almost had. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So when I emailed you, you said, oh, this will be good. I've had some weird jobs. Hollywood video, I feel like a lot of guests on the pod have worked at a video store, a store, a movie theater. What are some of the weird jobs you started to have? Well, it didn't start really until I was... Because I worked at Borders, so I worked. For, I graduated from Hollywood Video to Borders Books, and I worked in Borders through college. Nice. And then I transferred to New York when we all, because my sketch group founded. We we were we we I sketch group in college. We all got together in college. We decided uh, as a group to move to New York together, and I transferred my job. But it was Murder just Fist, like the group? yeah, Murder Fest. I didn't know you met in college. Oh yeah, I met at Florida State, and then we were. This was back before you had to like do a pay-to-play scenario like they do in New York comedy now or, mm-hmm. or LA comedy now where you basically have to buy into one of these college comedies, the college, yeah. you know, comedy colleges to, in order to be allowed to do comedy. Mm-hmm. We used to do it the old school way where you just have, um, you have to say something. And so we all got together and we, we, we moved to New York. I transferred. I was like, oh, I'm sick of this corporate bookstore. I'm going to go work at the Strand. Um, and then that was also, that busted a dream because that was really very sad because it was a bunch of people that work at cashier that all graduated from fucking Harvard. Like, mm-hmm. there are all these, like, Ivy League people working at the cashier and I was, and I didn't understand that I was, like, in a whole other world. And then they had a union. The Strand had a union. There's a lot of weird, like, it's very intense at the Strand. Really? I There's did not a lot know. Of- I- I picture like hipsters who are like, you know, who love to read and they're like, it's a great place to go because I can get free books. And like it, got, it turned into a whole it's very intense there. They have like a but it was cool. But I was I was like, this is like beyond me. So then I quit. I was like, all right, I need to figure out what to do. And I just entered in the world of like New York is going to show me. <laughs> my dreams. New York is going <laughs> to give me my dreams. And then the first thing I tried to do was substitute teach. OK, because that was. Good money. Uh-huh. That was like a hundred bucks a day. What were you going to teach? I was just like, oh, you know, substitute teachers. You go in there. Oh, this is going to be a cute Like fun. high school? I didn't know. I didn't know what they would give me. You just picked substitute teacher as like a general like job. I just wanted to. All I needed was a job that didn't drug test. Okay. <laughs> that was the truth. 
and yeah. that that didn't drug test at the time. So I went and I you got. You think I, that would be the first <laughs> job to drug test? You think they did not? Okay, they did not give a fuck for what you have in your system. But I went and I um. I made it oh, through the first week just doing little bits, and it was fine. Then I got a, a week-long stint at a kindergarten in the Bronx, and a five-year-old, I'm talking about like a six, seven-year-old, very little kid. And when I first walked in, I was like, hello, I'm Mr. Zabrowski. The kid in the front row looked at me, and he made this gun motion with his hand where he went, poof where he just acted like he was going to shoot me in the head. And then um, just total chaos. I couldn't control the children. Absolutely. All, it was all, It was a fucking, it was a nightmare. Oh, my God. This total was your, like, meltdown. Michelle Pfeiffer moment in, you know, what was that movie? Uh, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. <laughs> but Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, got reactions because she's Michelle Pfeiffer. I did not inspire a child. <laughs> I inspired no one. No he one walked cared. in and he wanted to kill you. No, it was really bad. So then I knew, okay, so I'm going to have to think outside of the box. So I just wish to go. I sold um, pictures of my hairy chest. Um, I did. Where? What? Yeah, I did. I had it uh, on Craigslist. No. You were For just a like. For second. I got money. Where did I you got get money. that idea? Because yeah. I just looked at it. I just saw pictures for hairy chests like uh. needed for cash. And I just did it because I was like, I got to I gotta try this shit. I'm just going to see what happens because there was a period of time. Where I could, I could not get a job for the life of me. It was like a four month period of time. It was right after the recession hit. Yeah. Where there was just nothing happening. So I went, I, I worked at a headhunting agency um, where I worked with a man named Will Stavenhagen, who <laughs> was the scariest single man that I've ever met. He was sort of like, um, it was mini Wolf of Wall Street. It was really strange because it really did kind of work that way because he used to do this thing. It was me, a middle-aged woman from the Bronx and this other like (laughs) young man who could barely speak English and he used Mm -hmm. to scream at us where he's like, I never want to see you off the fucking phone. And he used to (laughs) circle us all day because our jobs were to call into, we were supposed to steal executives. The goal was a headhunt Okay. And be a headhunting service where we, I don't know, like IT specialists. The goal is to call in, get these IT specialists to leave their jobs. I'm a 23-year-old moron. <laughs> I have no idea what to Actor. tell these people. Yeah, I'm a perform. I'm a comedian. I don't know what to tell these people, but I had to, in order to get this job, I had, my interview for it was like, from a movie where I was so poor because it got to a point where I was probably going to have to go back to Florida. I was probably going to have to go move back to Uh, my family because I was just out of money. And I went to this guy and I was like, you're looking at a guy, the only thing he knows what to do is give 110%. I'm ready to dig in, dig out, dig up. You're going to see here, here, not only with the smile of confidence of a man who knows he's about to give 110%, you're going to look at a man that actually is holding back 20% from the 110% to surprise you with 130% (laughs) adherence to the missions of this company. And he was like, all right. Oh my um, God. I mean, you, I'm hiring you. I don't know what I need you for, but that was, that's convincing as fuck. Yeah. But then he, he one time, he made us all leave. He was like, everybody, it was Friday afternoon. It's like, everybody, get the fuck up. We're going to get shots. And so we wa- we went to this, this was in the middle of the financial sector, the okay. financial district of New York. We went to this little bar and he's making get shots. And I remember sitting there with him and he's like doing this shot. And then he looks at me. He's like, every person I ever liked died in 
And, uh, <laughs> like, oh, Jesus oh, Christ. And so eventually he made me cry and I had a breakdown and I had to leave. I threw my tie at him. And then security security ushered me out of the building. I had to be no. fired from that. So I lost that job. And that was because a good Because of that job. night? Because of that night? He was so scary. Oh. He was so scary. He was just so so dangerously intense and oh my kept God. talking about 9-11 and he kept being like, it happened right there! And I was just like, I know. I've seen the footage. Jesus Christ. Like, and so I had to leave that job. So then I was fucked. I do like again. that that came full circle because you were in Wolf of Wall Street and that was a bunch it, of yelling assholes. <laughs> it really, I, I tell you what, it fucking really helped, especially in the audition because the audition for Wolf, the final audition was in a hotel room with Scorsese. It was five of us in just a hotel room with him. Oh my God. And he just told us to improv a phone call. <laughs> There you like, go. <laughs> that was all we had. That's what we had to do. So we literally were all improving, just being on the phone, which is fucking insane. But it helped me because I had the same tools in that job that they actually they did had on Wolf. I had a big book that mm -hmm. was supposed to give me responses to what people said. And it was just I had no clue what to do. Um, but when that job ended, I didn't know what the hell to do. So the next job I got <laughs> was this. I sold ads for the kosher yellow pages. <laughs> Okay. So I had to go out to JFK Airport. It was like right outside of JFK Airport. And I live in Brooklyn at the time. And I had to deal with, uh, it was a, it, basically it was uh, a younger man. He was like, he was kind of, he was, uh, he said he was, he was Hasid, but he was dressed in regular clothes. Okay. And his whole thing was been like, your jobs are, he was like me and th four of the people just in this room. It's like, you're going to go to Orthodox businesses, um, Hasidic businesses, and you are going to sell them ads using this presentation. So he gave me this big presentation. I'm supposed to haggle. Wow. I am young, Roman Catholic, <laughs> not had never had anything. Don't know the I don't know how to negotiate dealing with some of the most hardcore businessmen in New York, which is the men. Also, that, like Israelis are scary. Like they're, they're so, intense. They're so intense. And yeah. they've come from true hardship. And this is not like she she. I didn't go to Manhattan for this. This was in fucking Jamaica, Queens, business yeah. owners that are not fucking around. And they <laughs> gave us uh they gave us a company car. So I hadn't driven a car in several years as well. Oh so they just gave me a car and all of this presentation equipment. So I remember sitting in the car, like, cause I knew I had like the approach, because you had to come in just being like, you start with this list of people who had previously bought ads. And then you roll okay. through that list and go to cold calls. So I started with the first ad. The guy first, I went to go, and I remember walking in the door and I had a little suitcase and my fucking <laughs> bullshit, like, because I had no money. So it's like whatever shirt I got from fucking Kmart <laughs> and my big baggy khakis on. I was going to say, you need that Hollywood video tie around. You know, <laughs> How do you present yourself to this man? And I remember, look, the man, look, I walked in and I was just like, sir, I see here that you have uh, you have bought ads from the Yellow Pages before. And he just went, no. <laughs> and I was like, but sir, I could see you're on previous you're one of our previous lists, one of our best customers from one of our premium ad spaces. And he's just like, no, no. Oh, you had the whole script prepared. I didn't, though, really. That was all I had. I didn't know what to do. And so then I left. 
And then I had a whole list of the other businesses that I was supposed to go to. And I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And um, I called them and I said, I've left the car here with all the material inside of it. And I just left the car by the JFK stop on the C train. I just left it there. And it's got on the train and went back. It said, you just uh, this left is over. the car. I didn't I know what else. The car. I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't want to be responsible for the car either. Because I also knew I can't be recanted because I know that if I hold on to this car, <laughs> the problem is that think about this. You're 23 years, like 22, maybe 22 years old, 23 years old. I have a fucking group of hungry sketch comedians that see this car. Like, because, you know, think about how you used to have to, like, beg someone to take you. Like, if you're in a, before Uber, you used to have to, like, fool a a taxi driver to take you from Manhattan to Brooklyn. They didn't want right. to go. Or how many times you'd have... You had to lie and just be like, oh, is it? Is it Brooklyn? No, I just, just saw, you know, 9th Street. Keep going Street. south. <laughs> keep going south. Keep going south. Make a left here. And he's like, Williamsburg Bridge! Williamsburg! You're like, really, really pissed. How many times I had to do that? And then all of a sudden, I was like, I have a car. I knew that if I had this car on my yeah. hands, there it's going to be gone. Like, I'm just going to use it. I couldn't control I myself. Like the haul and props, because I'd be like, I'll bring it back next week. And then I would be in a lot of truth. So I just dumped it. Wow. That's brave. Honestly, all I want right now is a car in New York City. I'm like, I can't get anywhere right now. I don't want to take the train and oh God. Oh no, but then the nightmare. Because uh, my wife, when we first met, she had a car because she was living in Pittsburgh at the time. And then we were in New York and having a car in New York is very difficult as well. Well, yeah, the parking thing is is hard. Yeah. But I've been yeah, talking was... a lot about how everyone had cars and like just came out of the woodwork in the pandemic. They're like, yeah, I, I had access to a car. And I'm like, where like, the what? fuck? How? This whole time? Yeah. The you whole never, time. And you never left New York? You know what I mean? Like you never <laughs> went on a day trip. That's the thing. You never did a single thing. There's a mountain like an hour from New York. Right. I know. There's like hiking. <gasps> um, but I know. That I'm going like, to do it. That was really the scariest. Th- like, I want to say, like, during that time period, it really was that. Because then, I'm, like, I sold blood. Um, I lived in my car. Um, I got rejected from Trader Joe's. What? They wouldn't hire me. I remember I tried to go work at Trader Joe's because that was because they had health insurance. Yeah. Also, um, everyone who works at Trader Joe's is so friendly, and I feel like you'd be a great conversation with them. You'd be perfect at Trader them. Joe's. And they didn't want That's me. I guess that. Lost. Whatever. You know what I'll say is. I'm now starting to understand the dismay of an owner hiring a comedian because you like, did you say it in your interview? No. Well, cause that's the thing. I don't know why I ever thought I never should have said it. I don't know how many job Mm -hmm. interviews I went on and I said that I was a comedian and I was here in New York and you realize like that must've been truly now, now that you even say it, like that must've been the massive barrier of why I wasn't working because working, hiring, a comedian is so stupid. Like they're not remotely committed to anything. Even a fake, they're not even fake committed to right. the aims of your business. They have a foot and a half out the door. They have a foot and a heel yeah. out the door. They're going to the leave business. your fucking car at the JFK. <laughs> That's what I did. And they, I just so fast and I don't care about your property. Yeah. Because it's not me, you know, and I'm the comedian. So I guess, yes, that must be a problem. 
Yeah. I learned that people were like, don't say you work in comedy. Don't say, because then they think you're going to take, you know, material from the office and, oh, that's going to be your new act. And that's going to be like. Guilty of that. All of guilty it. of guilty of of going into because then I got an office job mm-hmm. that I and then you use every single opportunity possible. You know, Ed Larson also from Murderfest had an office job. I was they didn't had no clue. We went in when the office was empty and we did a sketch where I was completely fucking naked and there was like a boardroom yeah. sketch we did and I sat on the chairs. I was all over that fucking office and they had no clue that I was in there and that we take take any supplies that weren't nailed fucking down. How many? Hundreds of dollars of printing. I used yeah. to sit and take my I printed stuff, everything. Everything. I used to take all of my the sketch like because that's the thing. It was just was just like a random duty within our sketch group of like Holden and Henry print scripts, and we used yeah. to go print out hundreds of pages. <laughs> yeah, for a oh ten-person sketch group. I threw a I threw a film festival in my office <laughs> for my old day job. I said I was having a couple friends over to screen a few videos that I made. And I had like a hundred people and Domino's and like a beer sponsor and a tequila sponsor. And I That's threw down. <laughs> that means that because we're, we're producers and if they understood technically now when I start to understand we have the skill set to be executives, but not yeah. workers. We have the yeah. skill sets, which basically just be like, I love to have many balls in the air. Like, and I can, uh, I can call up pizza places. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. I love to be a producer, but I am yeah. not a good admin. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm anyway. not either. But no. having access to all that shit was nice, and the free lunches. I don't know if your office. It was like I didn't have to worry about food for breakfast and lunch, and then like you know, well, dinner. I I'd wish... get a slice on the way home. The truth is, is that I worked at another horrible, not a scam, but it was definitely. I shouldn't have been there. It was. I worked for a low income housing company that okay. had started flipping into for profit. Like as I was there and they worked with all of these like moms from the Bronx. They got like finance degrees and all this kind of shit. And then there was me. And then I got brought into a a room during the recession where they were like, OK, Henry, we're willing to help you get a master's in finance. We, we, we really need you to to commit to this and move up in the company. And I was like, I'll be your admin for forever. <laughs> like you never have to worry about me wanting a raise. You never have to worry about me doing anything. I'll just sit here. And then I was the first one very much fired. That's so funny. When I was an admin, my parents were like, "Are you yet are you interested yet in venture capitalism? Like, yeah, are they Are they teaching you anything or do you still want to leave and go do your shows for free at night?" Yeah, man. Oh like, yeah, there no. was a an ocean of potential there that I could have yeah. done. To have made money. Oh, at the yeah. Time. But no, 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 of course not. No, we had dreams. And now look, <laughs> though, you dreams. made your dreams real. Yeah, you know, I made them all happen. Look right at you. Here. You made your dreams real. You got that nice lamp. I see that I'd, lamp. I'd probably live in that fucking huge apartment, though, if I was a venture capitalist right now. And no, I no, think no, everything about that would be a lot. Easier. Everything, Everything would be easier if you just chose not not the one of the most heartbreaking, ruthless industries <laughs> to be a part of. I honestly think that show business is like scarier and meaner than the finance world. I think the only thing that is scarier than show business itself, like comedy and acting, yeah. is fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Fashion's scary. Fashion's got to be. That's why we like. Well, I like watching the fashion shows because I love how brutal they are to these people. Oh, it's so yeah. crazy. I was like, that's ooh, that's very scary. Yeah, 
I did a job once for a fashion company. It was like for uh, the Javits Center. They had like a, it was for like all the, the, it's called Coterie. And it was like all the buyers, like brands go and have like a little booth. And then the buyers come from department stores and websites and so whatever. Scary. And it was so intense. And they were like, you can't say that at Coterie. Like there were all these rules. And I was like, I'm literally here for a one week job. because I might as well be a robot. <laughs> Like, honestly, I am a kiosk with blood inside of me. I do not care. I will not. I don't care. I don't care. Some guy I from my improv class got it for me. He's like, he's like, I feel like you'd be great. You got a free dress. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. I could use a dress for nothing. And, sure. uh, and why not? I think they oh, no. only paid me in clothes. <laughs> I did a temp job where I went to the UN. What? They had me go to the UN. And I remember sitting there and I was just like, man, I'm real nervous about this. Going to the UN. <laughs> Best, best get pretty high for it. Oh, no. And so it just got stoned as fuck. And it was like, walked into the UN, and I just thought it was super cool because I could go up to the fourth floor and smoke inside. <laughs> that was cool. I got to go up to the smoking floor, but then literally they were like, um, why are you up here? And That's I was wild. just like, oh, I got a fucking temp job. I was in a sensitive area. Like, they just let temps. That's the one thing about temps is that when you are a temping job is like, you know, you might as well. You are a Roomba. <laughs> yeah. And they do not care about your sheer existence. But it means you could get to. I remember, like, watching, like, you could walk into the boss's office and shit. And yeah. then you just go, like, me don't know. Right. I'm sorry. Don't I'm know just what... a temp. Oh, yeah. I'm in a Shakespeare play right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, you could be as bad as you want because you won't be coming back, or you can be amazing and then they'll beg for you to come back. It's like one, you, you really got two options well, here. I had to work for, there was one sad point, as I remember, it was after um, I'd already been working. I'd done some, done some acting jobs, and then, you know, I had to go back to temping for this like period of time. And I worked for this woman. I talked about this a little bit vaguely recently on last podcast on the left, but I worked for this woman that um this older woman who broke both of her hands she worked in a publishing company she worked for sat textbooks <laughs> that's a bad place broke, to break your yes, hands yes <laughs> yes it's all her old life is hands she broke both of her hands and um she they put me as a temp sitting in the desk in front of her so she could look over my shoulder and see what oh, i was doing at all times no. and my job turned into she was she would try to staple things or like do stuff when she go oh <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And I had to like respond to her groans of pain to go around and help her staple. And then I used to hold Pepsi up to her lips. So you should get a big gulp of Pepsi that she somehow carried in with her fucking wrists. And so what? I had to go up to her and put it, the straw up to her lips. Like, so she could go, what would I do without you? <laughs> and then I remember going into the, the other room. And I remember I had a movie come out. I was in this movie. And I remember one of the vague bosses of mine looked at me. He's like, I thought I saw that you were in a movie the other day. And I was just like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I am in a movie right now. And he's like, that's funny. You're in a movie. and But you're, you're here. here. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I, like, I hate yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that is funny. So many bosses have said that to me. They're like, wait, but you're like, success. You're like, uh, that, that, you're like do this, huh? You're like, yeah, do this thing, huh? You're a success. Well, what could you possibly need this job for? Or It's like, obviously, I do need it. Right. Because <laughs> that job ended. Be... <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, because then that's what they kind of find out. It's weird because then they, they're like, oh, my God, it is a comedian. Get her the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my I God, remember... I didn't know. 
you'll appreciate this. I'm related to a serial killer. And uh, when you said that, I was like, oh, he's going to love that. Yay. Yeah. Well, who are you related to? Robert Durst of the Jinx fame. <gasps> Ooh. I know. It's a good one. And That's a good one. Yeah. My old boss was like, yo, I watched that show and I, I saw you're related to him. He's like, why the hell do you work here? That guy was rich as fuck. It's like, it's like he killed somebody. I'm not like, getting that money. Yeah, he's in jail, and uh, we're not really close, and uh, I pay Yeah, that money's rent. long gone. <laughs> yeah, it's already gone. It's already speaking, like, ask OJ's kids how they're doing. <laughs> oh, my God. They're not doing, they're not doing great. They live in St. Pete. <gasps> oh, no. Even though St. Pete is actually very nice. I bet. I, I bet they're Florida's doing okay. Nice. They're probably They, they are, okay. technically, they are fine. So, yeah, you actually should try to get some of that money. I think you could probably sue him in a joint, like, a, in a joint suing of you and your family getting together and saying how we ruin your reputation or some kind of bullshit. Yeah. When the jinx was on, my grandma, because she has the same last name, she was a Durst, and she was like, people are going to know because of my name. And I was like, they don't care. No one cares. Fred Durst is also of that name. You know right, what I mean? but so honestly, it's worse being related to Fred Durst than Robert Durst. I think so, because I think Robert Durst <laughs> is kind of cute. He is cute. And he was, he had a whole series. Like, I always talk about, you know, he was like an HBO star for a while. People he were into it. He crushed it. Yeah. Honestly, because look at the vowel. Keith Raniere doesn't look nearly as cute. Mm-mm. No. no. But Keith Raniere little... got a season two somehow. <laughs> Those actors on that show got a season two. And I'm so, I'm so, we've talked about this quite a bit on Side Stories. But yeah. the fact that they are like, they all got their dream. Like, yeah. that was like, man, how does that Sarah woman who fucking helped brand other women get a second season and every show I am on gets canceled? I know. Ellen and I talked about how, like, my favorite line from it was when she was like, oh, my God, I'm on the front page of the New York Times. Yeah, I mean, like, you love this. This yeah, is the most yeah, coverage really you've did. ever gotten. Yeah, she just came when she saw that headline, that front like, page. Oh. She's like, oh. What was the name? Oh, Nippy? Like- yeah, Nippy, Nippy was the husband. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Was- Ellen loves... I like Nippy. Nippy. He kind of, he charmed me. Nippy Nippy was the only one who was correct. Exactly. That's why at first I was like, this dude seems like a, like just a normal bro, like an asshole. And then he changed my mind. I was like, he's actually like pretty smart and like level headed. Like, holy shit. Nippy's coming through. Exactly. And the name is so fun to say. This cartoon squirrel (laughs) is coming through. He's the only person willing to stand up. Nippy should get a spinoff. Like, oh, just don't the, worry about that. I'm the, certain fucking Nippy is going to because he was an improv comedian exactly. too. Exactly, oh, he was God, an actor. It's going to be him and Ben Schwartz doing a show together, like very, very soon. They're yes. all going to flip this. I'm sure they will. Um, so I want to go back to your jobs. I want to know what was like the job. Obviously, you're a full time comedian, actor, producer, podcaster, whatever. I don't know what you call yourself these days. Uh, I don't know. Phantom of say, the Opera. Comedian, yes, Phantom of the Opera, man by the. I like comedian is good. Yeah, sure. that's all I've ever wanted. Yeah. So I want to know what was like the job that like took you there where you didn't have to do the temp jobs anymore. Knock on wood. We never have to go back. Knock on wood. I'll do. I don't know. Honestly, if I go back, everyone's going to rue the day. You're going to fucking hear about it on the fucking news. Um, I'm I'm going anything but an office job. I literally would do anything but an office job. I will too. 
I will um, sell your chest photos for money before please, I have to get I, I will do whatever it takes. I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait to teach podcasting at a, com- at a fucking uh, community college. I will do that in a fucking will- second. And I will be there for you. I will edit your podcast for you. I will take your. I will take you by the hand through the entire process. Hell yeah. Um, I will join OnlyFans. And my dad will probably say congratulations. He'll just, he'll just do you won't You won't burst into flames? It's no. fine. You have to. Yeah, because yeah, because we ain't getting in this economy. Um, I <laughs> let me try to think because honestly, the the job that saved me truly was best week ever um, in 2013 because oh, yeah. I that was really when I had to go back. It was like I'd already booked. I had done Wolf in the first season of Pretty Face, and I think after Wolf that was huge I, too. Being like it, I'm in a Scorsese movie, I imagine you, was just like you'd think. <laughs> You'd really, really think, but I remember because I had booked it, and then it was like a year before it came out, uh-huh. right? And I, I so 2012 was a very massive year for me. Like I got Pretty Face and Wolf right next to each other, and I thought, you know, because especially because my people at the time were like, "This is it, right?" Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yay, we got it. TV, you know I mean? movies, you're everywhere, Woo! and it doesn't work like that. No. Um, so you just, um, I didn't work for like a year. So <laughs> best week ever kind of was the first job that I kind of went back into entertainment. And that was 500 bucks a week. And that was massive for me. That was like mm-hmm. very, very big. And I kind of, I kind of made it since like I got, I've got extra, I mean, obviously it's just extremely, extremely fucking lucky yeah. because you just, enough things strung together to work because that's kind of what this business is anyway. You really are kind of maximizing any opportunity that could sort of come without being an asshole. I like to think that I didn't like hurt anybody because I definitely had to say no to jobs because of Murder Fist for Mm -hmm. many years because there was a period of time where we were really trying to sell a television show and we got vaguely close and I wanted to stay within our group. I didn't want it to just do just that. So th- a lot of times I kind of slow rolled certain things on my own yeah. because we were working together as a group. And then you find out it's actually very difficult to sell anything as a 10 person group because nobody makes any money. Mm. Yeah. So no, even if you do sell a television show, I look at then I didn't realize that until I met the Michaels, uh, Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter, who basically were like, because they, uh, they joked about it with me because mm-hmm. they're like, how many people are in your sketch group? And it's like 10 strong members. <laughs> and they're like, the state made $100. Yeah. He's like, we oh got God. made nothing. Oh, yeah. And you're like, wow, I didn't know that. Um, but, you know, I got I got, uh, I got, got extremely lucky. And because with like last podcast, we didn't see a dime for last podcast until middle 2017. Yeah. And we'd already been going How many for years, years had you been? Oh, my seven God. Years. Really? So we didn't, we just did that for the love for very long. Mm-hmm. Like full-time podcasters really happened because of quarantine, honestly, right. because now I'm just, this is, this is where the pipes are open. Yeah. That's but great. no, it's, I got very, I was very fortunate. It's very, it's, it's kind of, it's scary to even think about it, honestly, because everything's touch and go yeah. when you're an actor. But I realized at some point I truly did understand that I couldn't have a fallback because I think for a while I was taking jobs that I was saying that was like a fallback. And then it was when it really, well, like I had to put my life in my hands and say like, I, I must make money doing this. And if not, it's got to just flame out on me because yeah. I'm not, I can't not do it all the way so there was a it really did i got michael and michael have issues and it, it like literally about three weeks after i was like i am not going to attempt to get another job ever again that's not acting and i'll take whatever job it is 
Like, I'll just do whatever the fuck. But Kumel Nanjiani, he managed to pull my tape for the Michaels because he knew us from back in the day when he first moved to New York from Chicago. So I really have to thank him. You That's really awesome. do got it. You have to know somebody. That's yeah. the other brutal thing that was the real truth. The real, real truth is like, even now I realize how far behind I was as an actor, specifically as an actor, when you don't start when you're five years old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like they, you don't, your competition, it's people who have been in the business. I got my first acting job when I was 25 and you're up against people who legitimately have 20 years yeah. ahead of you in the business already. So totally. it's very difficult to break in without yeah. knowing anybody or being independent. Like, cause we came from working class. I didn't have the other side of it, which is, it's also a really good idea to start off incredibly rich. Yeah. It's a great yes. idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. If you're an artist, if you're an up-and-coming artist right now, a really good idea is to already have a million dollars. Right. Go good marry advice. a really good doctor and then do your comedy thing. Or something. Come from a long line of people in the weapons <laughs> industry or people deeply involved in show business as it is because it is a yeah. giant... Um, you only got, got as far as the... Because you, you lose a job to somebody's cousin in a second. But you're a good example because you did the work. And like, that's what I love is like, I don't come from that either. I don't come from a showbiz background or anything. But like, anytime I put out sketches or videos or produce something or made something or put myself on, you know, these anything on the internet, I was like, wow, something comes from it. Maybe not directly, but more people see it, more people know who you are. And it's just like, you have, you can't sit around and wait for your agent to be like, I've got a two line scene for you. <laughs> you really can't. And 2013 showed me, 2013, 2014 really showed me because that was really because I'm a, I really think it's almost I feel like there's so many ways to make content now yeah. and there's so many ways people are doing it but I do miss the I miss when we used to complain about how there were too many web series <laughs> and like making long form content was like a thing that we all mm -hmm. fucking were every one of us was obsessed with making yeah. web series in 2013 and 2014. And it taught me a lot about yeah. production and what to, how to put myself on tape, how to take something from a script to a product. I, I learned a lot in those years. And, and I too. think you're, every single time I did something really, something really did come out of it at yeah. the very end, even fucking years later. Yeah. You just like, you'd found out that somebody was a fan of like a sketch that you did, like the and and you had no clue, and like you, I walk into a room where like a murder fist sketch that has like ten thousand views, all of a sudden like that producer was like, I'm probably like five hundred of those views, yeah. And you're like, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden you have like this. It's really strange. It's it it's, is it, how that works. Yeah, I think twenty. 23rd, 15, something like that. I sold a web series. I, I went to JFL and then I sold a web series to someone I met there. And yep. I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to do this now. They Boom. paid me good money. And then they were like, actually, we fired our entire video department. And you oh, know, yeah. the, those kind of dwindled. <laughs> no, yeah, left. you were a part of that boom exploding yeah. and, and that bubble popping when the right. dot coms all exploded. Ellen, you remember when all of the uh, uh, oh, yeah. all of the jobs that we had and we're so excited about and we're all like, because we were like kings yeah. of internet content, kings and queens. And then they were like, they're going to be branded now. You're going to get paid even boom, more money. Boom, making that money. Yeah. Making boom, 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 boom. And then you're like, oh, it's all gone. Mm -hmm. It's all gone. And now, it's over. You know, it's, 
now it's interesting to see entire networks disappear. Like how many friends, how how much content was lost in the great CISO flood oh, of God, 2018? Yeah. How many fucking the content were lost? Seriously.tv. Or... Oh my God. All the dot coms, you know, the college humor, which I think is still vaguely around. Yeah. Um, Funny well, or my not. damn channel. My damn channel was we were the stars of my damn my channel. My damn channel. I remember that was supposed that to be a lot of money. So I remember that being a that was like a huge opportunity and that just went it was just like yeah. just exploded. Above average. Remember that? I did a lot of stuff with them. Yep. Above average was uh that was also a big get too. Yeah, I sold several web series there, yeah, and that also went away. That also went away. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. You're gonna laugh, but and I don't know if I should say this on air, but I'm doing a, I'm, I'm acting in a sketch. A friend of mine who I love, and I would do anything he asked me to do. He's a very funny guy, and he was like, I'm, "I'm doing a sketch for this company. You know, they don't have that much money, but it really is like the old school model of like making sketches. Like, because you'd show up for a college humor sketch that paid you a hundred, two hundred dollars. They saved like, my life. Josh Rubin saved my life he's so on funny. multiple times when I said to him, "I can't." Pay Hey, utilities, will you put me in a web like put me in Aww. a sketch? And so he used to throw me in shit all the time. A hundred, that hundred buck check was the difference between me, uh, fucking eating and not, yeah, quite often. But yeah, the old school sketch, <laughs> and I was like, I'm in. Uh, and they were like, Can you get tested for COVID? I'm like, Yeah, sure, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do a sketch. It's been so long since I've done a sketch. I know, I know, it's been so long, and it's like, I do, I miss it, but I don't miss, I don't miss the. There is a level of pain in sketch comedy that I also yeah. don't specifically miss because um, it doesn't have the ethereal nature of improv where you mm -hmm. don't have to haul props everywhere and look like a fucking jackass <laughs> everywhere you go 24-7. How many times I did character sketch or character oh, yeah. stand-up where I showed up and I have to go to a stand-up and be like, can you please just call me Mr. Apple Butters? And right. then the guy <laughs> rolls his fucking eyes at you. And then it's also not as cool as stand-up because right. stand-up's cool. Stand -up's you know what I mean? Cool. It always was. Sketches is such garbage for all of us <laughs> sketch comedians. And then you had to experience that day to day to day to day to day to day. I wanted to say, I don't even know if you remember this, but where I met you, you guys were doing a murder of fist sketch for uh, Friends of the People. Yes. That is where I met you guys because I was doing a two-line scene with Lil Rel Howery, the very famous Very rare. Very famous now. <laughs> very, yeah. I had two lines and they were like, hey, uh, the budget's tight and um, your scene doesn't shoot till the afternoon, but the buses to Staten Island are leaving at like 8 a.m. <laughs> yes. So, yes. And I was like, this is for true TV. Of course I'll this get them. This yeah. is huge. This is huge. They're like, I mean, if you can self-report, great, but otherwise, like, the bus will be there. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take the bus. And I watched your sketch, and I remember I laughed so hard. The whole crew was cracking up. That was, was a lot of fun, but that was Friends of the People. That was, like, when we had, like, that was, you know, like, Jermaine and Kevin, uh, like, RIP. Jen, the way they, Jen they, did the podcast. We talked about it. Jen's so cool. They were yeah. all so good. to We, like, we kind of formed an alliance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because that show, because Lucas Brothers, they, a lot of stars came out of that show. Oh, yeah. They did really good work. They get, True TV gave them the keys. Yeah. Just like let them do a show, which was just incredible. That, must have been su that was such a fun opportunity for them. They really got to do whatever the hell they want. And I it was know. nice to just kind of be like a part of it in yeah. and out. I just remember, I'll never forget, though, you did that KKK sketch. <laughs> Man, they also were, were so fucking funny. How many times they? I played a KKK member for them three times. Oh like how many times? How many sketches I did? I remember playing like there was a sketch that never went out where I it was me Andrew Schultz 
that I also <laughs> remember during this time period where we played. They had us play white black nationalists. <laughs> Where what? we dressed up as Black Panthers, oh, me no. and Andrew Schultz, but being like super pro like black people, but like doing the whole like <laughs> the whole spiel. Like they're like sound more like Malcolm X. Oh no. And it was like was really, really funny to do these bits and now think about it, like that's cancelable. Mm-hmm. That's cancelable. This is all just yeah. I was like, they just they fucking they tortured us. But I was like, I'll take it. Yeah, I remember when you you played the leader of the KKK and mm-hmm. there was a whole like church of people. And I remember talking to like the extras like on set at like lunch and they were like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's weird to wear this regalia. When I got oh. booked as an extra, no one told me I'd be nope. a KKK member. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. We got a good shots from those days, too. It's really fun to have like you know, Kevin Durant, all of us just like hanging out in full KKK gear. That was when it was fun. <laughs> That it's was the hard. funniest. It's I'm so like, funny. But now I've like, that's been the new thing recently. Like half my auditions now have been for racist cop. Um, and I was like, I got to shave this mustache. I got a racist cop audition recently too. And I was like, really? Me? You see me? me? Jewish me? Anna from Philadelphia as a racist cop? Huh. I'm kind of flattered. I was like, I'll take it. I'll give you 10 takes. <laughs> <laughs> I need anything. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I wanted to end. So we don't usually play games on the pod, but we're trying to play games. And Ellen came up with a good game and I, we're testing it out on you. Okay. We're going to yeah, end on me. this. Okay. Ellen, are you ready for this? Ellen Ellen put some of the worst jobs in history together, and you have to rank them from which one you would like to do most to least. Okay. Okay. First job, chimney sweep. Second job, executioner. Third job, rat catcher. I think it's interesting. I think my reaction is, is, um, strangely, I think rat catchers, Executioner's number one. Best job, right? Because you don't physically get dirty. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a, a unless you're wielding the axe. Yeah, it depends but, on which era of executioner yes. you are. Um, you have to be a type of person to do it. Mm-hmm. Can you compartmentalize? I think depending on my circumstances, maybe I could. Two I definitely rat- could. I mean, yeah, I mean, just, you know, just sell me. Just tell, be like, this guy really sucks. And I'll be like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, all right. Number two, rat catcher, because it'd be fun to get the cardio in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. you can fit while catching rats. <laughs> I'd get my steps in. Exactly. That'd yes. be kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> As I chase rats all around the sewer. Definitely getting 10,000 like, steps. Yeah, look at that. Like- and it's like... Henry, you didn't catch any rats today. You're like, but look at me. I look fucking fit. Look how good. Look how slim I am. Yeah. And I got 10 extra steps from stomping that one at that, <laughs> which is kind of fun. And then three should be sweet because I'm claustrophobic and I don't like to get dirty. Yeah. 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 Wow. I just don't like physically. I don't like being physically dirty. I I'm not a camper. You. No. I don't. We die. I need a bed. My wife and I are very much hotel mm-hmm. Satanists. Yeah. Um, I need uh I need a Tempur-Pedic mattress. Um, straight up must I mean at this point, we talked about this. I don't know if it's affluenza. <laughs> Natalie and I have to sleep five feet apart, even though we dearly love each other. But we dearly, <laughs> deeply, uh, um sensuously love each other. But it's definitely like a kiss and then like good night, and then yeah. a scoot, 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 scoot. We just have to, but I don't mean to. Yeah. We just pre-cuddle. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you cuddle before you fall asleep and then you roll separate ways? Immediately distance. Me too. 
Jared and, and I then, don't sleep near each other. The dog has now made he sleeps sideways between yes. us. Oh no, that's what that's what our dog does. Mm-hmm. What she does, she starts in various positions, but now the dog moves in between, and then she's a seven pound chihuahua, but she can somehow become about two feet long yes. when she lays on <laughs> when she lays down, where she stretches to full extent, and I just hang on the side of the bed. That's my life. I have an eight pound toy poodle who somehow is four feet long when we get in bed, and it's yeah. I I'm glad they were bed. both tiny dog people because I now become we're about to multiply. But tiny dogs are hard to get right now. Yeah, because are. people are scooping them up. The only things right now, their prison dogs are easy to get. Um, you can get a dog that's killed a man very, <laughs> very easily, but it's very difficult to get a tiny dog. My mom is, but my mom just adopted a fucking fifty pound pit bull that she's been trying to do but the problem is my father's 75 years old and he can't feel his fucking feet and he's been trying to walk this thing and this dog is just knocking him over again and again and again but now my mom's like they said if they take it back they're gonna execute it and I was like well now you have to keep it so now I have to find like a a dog whisperer for her (laughs) down there because this dog's like just fucking being like a prison yard boss (laughs) in my parents house just fucking bossing around, knocking Aww. my mom over. She's like, oh, I just need something to love because all my kids left and none of you. And there's nothing to look forward to. <laughs> I love it. Well, let me know if you get another. Do- How old's your dog? We think she's like six. But you want another one? You just. My Natalie, uh, my beloved wife, is just so dog. The dog ovaries are just so empty, and the yeah. dog eggs have gotten so swollen. I understand. She wants these dogs so bad, <laughs> and I don't mind having the multiple dogs. But and uh, we will have like a flag, a flagon of them. We'll have a squadron of tiny dogs. Yeah, I will at some too. point. But the problem is, I really do think. But in 2021, we are going to end up traveling a lot for work. I mean, not to not to overblow 2021, but we will end up traveling. We're going to keep get many of these dogs. How many of these dogs are there going to be? <laughs> well, if it's, they're tiny, that's okay. Just like put it in your pocket. With no, it. they're easier to travel with when they are small. I will say, I travel with my dog. I will I, also when we because we nothing solidified our choice to not have children faster than going to an airport with a tiny dog because <laughs> the tiny dog you don't give a you don't have to give a fuck and it's still a pain in the ass it's not like the child that will be traumatized if you <laughs> shove it into a fucking crate or if you yeah if you be like that would trauma like uh, Wendy has no memories yeah you know what I mean like she doesn't know so you could just shove her in a bag and throw her through the x-ray machine and she doesn't know and that's too stressful for us <laughs> Um, I feel like you and your wife are very similar to my boyfriend and me in terms of the, the dog need, the need for more dogs, less kids in our lives. Like that's very. Yeah. We had a, we, we, it was one of those we counted at some point. It was just like in our close friend group, there are no children and seven dogs. (laughs) And I technically that's the, the, it is the end of human civilization, but what are you going to do? That's it. What are we going to do about it? There are plenty of people having kids, but apparently it's the wrong kinds of people. <laughs> oh, man. I think we should end on that. That's a beautiful message for yeah, all nice. of the yeah, for all of- <laughs> yeah, 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 this is good. I'm glad. I'm glad I could get that out. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. You had such funny stories. This was so much fun for me. And uh, I hope thank you, you for a- having me. We should reverse and have you on the LPN show. I would love to do that. Oh, my God. That would be so much fun. I also love uh, say hi to all the Murder Fist guys because I think they're all great and funny. And I haven't seen I haven't seen Holden in a long time, but I used to see him every so often. He's doing good. You know, like he's also gone full twitch. Like wow. not not seizures, but online. Like he is <laughs> very much like he is. He makes a living on Twitch. 
Yeah, I'm gonna do Twitch naked before I go back to an office. I'm already. I planning. will do anything mm-hmm. to but go back to an office. It doesn't matter. But it's like Twitch. You, a man can't even show his nipples on Twitch. What? No man nipples. I don't free know why. The, free the nip, Twitch. I feel like anybody should like honestly just do. The, I don't think they understand being like if they put nipples on Twitch, Twitch would blow up. Yeah, yeah. It really Nude would. gaming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Come on. They got to do it. Tweet come that on, at them. <laughs> come on. Yeah, if I had seven nipples and I was a dog, you wouldn't care. <laughs> That's what I've said in multiple emails. Oh, wow. Um, anything you want to plug before we before we say goodbye? Check out the last podcast on the left. Check out Your Pretty Face Going to Hell um, and wherever that shit is. Okay, great. That's really it. That's it. Uh, oh, and, he, and I'm supposed you. to be plugging. I'm supposed to be plugging. Buy yeah. last book on the left. We have still autographed versions of it at BarnesandNoble.com. Go check out last wow. book on the left. Guys, that's it. That's another episode of Unemployed. You know where to find us. Unemployed podcast on Twitter, on Instagram. Rate, review. Uh, you know, we're still growing this thing. So, hey, if you want to watch uh, this video, you can check out our Patreon. And sometimes I leave cryptic, weird messages on there, too. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of fun. Goodbye. What's up, everyone? It's Anna, and I am here with a little post-game episode. No, I'm just kidding. I'm here to tell you about our Patreon. We have an amazing Patreon. We're posting videos of all of our episodes every week, and everyone who donates to the Patreon is allowed to see those, and we would love for you to join in. But right now, I got to give a shout-out to our patrons who are donating money to us, who we appreciate and we love. Shout-out to Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, Chris Arneson, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, Vic Terry, and Jonathan Ediger. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast and me and Ellen and everyone else who out there who's unemployed. We really appreciate it. And if you want to join, you can just go to patreon.com slash unemployed podcast. And like, you can just donate $5 a month or something really small, you know, anything, anything helps. And we love it. And we are here for you. And we will keep putting these out until until we're all so successful that we have absolutely no time to make a podcast. Just kidding. But check out the Patreon. Thanks. Love you. Bye.